Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Strong tower that the righteous can run into and be saved. We love you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy 4 and 1. I'm going to limit my reading today. If you're a visitor, we are so glad that you're here. I'm going to do my very best today, and I'm very thankful to be here. But I personally believe your, your pastor is one of the greatest preachers in Pentecost. He won't tell you that, but I will. He won't say that. He'll say, oh, I did all right. But you know, if you put a lot in, then a lot comes out. Oh, me Holy Ghost. See, we, we don't want to put anything into this, but we want to get a lot out of it. We don't want to put a lot of prayer in. We don't want to put a lot of time in. We want to skip services, but we want to get a lot from God. We don't want to put anything in the offering plate. We want to get a lot back. But if you don't put anything in, you're not going to get anything out. It's just the way it works. You'll reap what you sow. You're not sowing anything. You won't reap anything. I better get to what I'm going to try to preach today. 1 Timothy 4 and 1. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I want you to understand that seducing spirits and doctrines of devils cannot be limited to just saying people that don't believe the truth. There's more than just one seducing spirit. It's seducing spirits. It's, it's not just sin. It's, there's a lot of things that come in that will seduce means to pull you away from. There's a lot of things that will come in and pull you away from God that, that are not sin. Paul said, I need to lay aside every weight and the sin. So there's some things that are not sin. They're just weight. Just weigh you down. People give heed to that. And verse 2 says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. What I want to preach to you, if I can, for the next minute, hour, until Sister Johnson gets upset. I'm going to preach long enough to make you. I'm going to preach you long. <laughs> Hey, if you can't run your friends down, who can you run down, right? <clears throat> so I just want to preach to you simply, numb. Numb. If you don't remember this message, at least you'll remember that I had a really simple title. But I feel the presence of God in this place. I feel God in this house. I feel like God wants to begin to move and He wants to begin to, to work. Why don't we lift our hands one more time and just ask God to speak to us. Lord, we love you. Your presence is in this place. Your power is in this house. Help me, God, to be, to be wise. Help me to have a... I feel your anointing, God, but help me to be directed by your Spirit. Let my mind be taken over by your Spirit, God. Let my mouth be not my words, not my own, but let me speak the very words of God. 
There's a special anointing that's just come into this place. God, we love you. Minister right now, God. Prepare the way. We'll give you all the glory and honor. We ask you praying in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I had the opportunity, well, nay, the, the privilege as, as a young man to, <coughs> to, to, to my first kind of real job, I was about 14, I got to work in a Chinese restaurant. That's an experience. <coughs> I'm not talking about Panda Express talking about a Chinese restaurant owned by real Chinese people. In fact, I was one of the few, you know, Americans working there. There were, there were <clears throat> Korean people and there were just, the, the, the people that we worked for, it was so funny because they didn't just speak Chinese and English. They spoke like seven different languages because they can, you know, they could talk with everybody. But then when they would get into a fight, you would know they were fighting because they'd be talking all seven of them. They'd be like, blah, 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 idiot, blah, 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 blah. You're, and, then they, and, they would, and, and they would say, like, whatever word they saw best to argue about, they would use that language. So we know they were fighting because they'd start just spurting out English words, which was kind of funny, but I will digress. I'll move on. <coughs> but... <coughs> I started working weekends, and I got to bust tables on Friday and Saturday night. I got to, to, to bust tables on crab leg night. They had these little bowls, and everyone's busting their crab legs, and they throw the shells in these bowls, and I'd come by, empty them, put the bowl back. That was my job. It was pretty simple. It doesn't take a lot of smarts to do that. <clears throat> you know, and I got to the point where people were like, I, I don't know how to get this crab out of this crab leg. So like, let me show you, you know. And, and after doing that for a little while, one of the owners, uh, Chi Tong, he, he started showing me how to keep an eye on the buffet and how to keep it stocked and how to keep the food looking presentable. And I'm going to clue you into this. It's not very hard. He said, when food looked dry, you take spoon and stir it up. <laughs> Flip it around. Put the good looking stuff on the top. You got it, buddy. Whatever you say. So I started doing that, and then, <clears throat> then one day he, he said, he said when, the, when the food gets low, when it's empty, he said, your job now is to keep an eye on this buffet while you're busting tables and dumping crab legs and doing all that. Keep an eye on the buffet. If something gets low, you go in the back, and you tell them what you need, okay? And, and I did that. I was, we need some broccoli and chicken, and, and they would make it. And then I, I distinctly remember, he said, now when you get the new stuff, you don't dump it in this old pan. You change it out, you get a new pan. Okay. So he, he grabs that pan, with Alex. He reaches there and he grabs that hot pan and he picks it up and he sits it to the side. He grabs the, the new one and puts it in. And he said, that's all you got to do. Sounds pretty easy to me. So a, a time went by and we needed something. I'm, I can't remember what it was. I, all I remember, you know, Pain will help you remember. And I remember this is how he did it, and this is how I'm going to do it. So I just grabbed that hot pan, and I picked it up, and my, my brain said, drop it immediately. So I did. 
I, the steam comes out from that table. It starts burning this side, and then this side's being burned by the hot pan. And, I, and, 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 and about that time, here comes Chitong, and he's laughing. <laughs> Use a towel. He grabbed it with his bare hands and just didn't want to tell me that I needed to use a towel. Flip it up, grab it with the towel, and pull it out. But I was determined that I'm just going to grab it like he grabs it. It took a while. It took a few burns. It took a few touches and touches. I didn't grab it like I did the first time. I can assure you of that. <clears throat> I started using the towel. and weekend. I worked there for about a year and a half. And weekend after weekend, uh, I would get the hot pans with the towel. And after a while, I just started grabbing them. And after a year or so, I didn't need to use the towel anymore. I'd walk over, I'd grab that spoon, I'd pull the side of that up, I'd grab the pan, move it to the side, do the other one. Just like Chitong did. I had it down. <clears throat> you see, my, my fingers, they'd adjusted. Some calluses, there was some, probably some nerve damage. <clears throat> my, my, my nerve endings had, had, had deadened, and, and it was... A lot easier to handle things that I couldn't handle before. It was a lot easier to pick things up that I couldn't pick up before. Because my senses were being deadened. They were being seared, in fact. My nerves. Now, I know that we all probably have a similar story if we ever have worked with hot food or if we've worked in the cold elements. I know some people that it could be 13 below zero and they're going to walk out in a short sleeve shirt like nothing's bothering them. We all have these stories, but may I tell you that this searing or this numbing, it can happen to more than just our fleshly bodies. It can happen to more than just our fingers or our toes or our nose. The, the Bible tells us that somehow, someway, I don't know really the mechanics of it, but somehow, someway, our conscience, our very spirits can be seared. It can become cauterized. Now, I know you might not understand cauterization, but if you study the word for searing, it literally is cauterizeo. You could probably say that a lot better than I can because I don't know Greek or Hebrew. I know how to use an inner linear. Is that what it is? Yeah. Man, I'm not good with big words. It's the same word where we get the word cauterize. Oh, it's, it's the act of taking something that's red hot you know, they, they used to use it in capital punishment. Cut off that hand and stick it in some coals. It'll burn the nerve endings off. It'll stop the bleeding. Uh, they still do it today during surgeries. They'll cut and they have a little cauterizer that burns the flesh because it stops the bleeding. It stops the blood flow. They'll take a piece of hot metal with the symbol on it and they'll get it red hot and they'll take it to that cow and they'll brand it. They say that once that animal is branded, that little area right there, they never feel anything there again. That area where they've been branded, they don't have feeling there anymore because the nerves have been seared. They've been cauterized. And the Apostle Paul says to Timothy that our very conscience, our very spirit, that voice inside that somehow, some way, uh, it becomes seared and burnt and cauterized. Somehow, we can get to the place where we don't feel anything anymore. 
You can't discern right from wrong. You can't tell which way is up or which way is down because it's seared with a hot iron. Can I tell you this morning that we live in a world that is numb. The conscience of this world is numb. It is seared. They, they feel nothing. We live in an overly desensitized generation. It's a culture where violence and sin means nothing to them. Little study says that 90% of movies contain graphic violence. 68% of video games uh, contain it. 60% of TV shows include it. By the time a child is 18, they will have witnessed 200,000 violent acts, 16,000 murders. It's an era when people have no compassion, they have no feeling. Our world has become numb. Now I'm talking about the world, so... So it's all right to say amen because in all reality, our world has no feeling anymore. We talked about it last night. There's, you could see someone stealing a bike. You could see someone beating somebody, and you're not going to do anything because our world will just put their eyes straight forward because they're numb to everybody else's feelings. They're numb to what's happening in somebody else's life. But you understand that this world wants more uh, than just for themselves to be numb. But they want to brand us and they want to put a hot iron on parts of our lives so that we become numb. So we become numb to sin. So that things that should bother us, they don't bother us anymore. That what should cause us to hit our knees doesn't cause us to hit our knees anymore. Oh, we still come to church and we still pray and maybe we worship every now and again because of searing. It only happens piece by piece. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. It only happens piece by piece, area by area. Just that one area where they, where they sear that, that bull, that's the only area that's numb. It's the only area that's numb. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I, I'm all right, preacher, because I still show up to church. That's all right. That area's not been cauterized yet, but you ain't prayed for a long time. Oh, preacher, I'm okay because I, I pray once a week and, and I do this. That, that's okay because that area, it's not branded yet. The enemy, he hasn't got a hold of that, but he's all right because he'll keep you from fasting and he's okay with it. Well, I'm all right, preacher, because I'm here regularly and I give, yeah, but, but that area is not branded. When's the last time that tears streamed down your face and you came to an altar and let God touch something in your life? The devil doesn't care if you're not all the way branded or if you're not all the way seared. Just as long as he's got an area in your life where you can't feel anything. can't feel anything. I read a, a study and it said that, that it's really hard for people to say no. It's really hard. You know, and people with the truck, you understand this. It's really hard, and pe you're afraid people get upset when they say, hey, um, I, and I'm not telling you an example. I'm making this up right now, so don't be offended. Hey, could you help me? I know you got a truck, and I called everybody else. Could you help me to move? I, I mean, it's only 50 miles one way, and this is only the 15th time that I moved, and I really need help, and I'll give you 10 bucks for gas. <laughs> people ask you that because they know that it's hard for people to say, no, we don't want to be the bad person. I don't want to be the bad guy for not driving 50 miles one way to take you 17 trips to move yourself for the 15th time. I don't want to be the bad guy for saying no. But I read a thing and it said, here's the way that it becomes easier to say no. The number one way. I mean, they've done studies on this. The easiest way 
to get it easier to say no is to just say no. I know, I just blew your mind right there. They said, this is an article, this isn't me, I guess I'm not that smart, but, but I couldn't have figured this out, but they say if you say no once, it gets easier the second time. You, if you tell them, you know, it's going to be really hard the first time you say, I'm sorry, I, I can't help you. No. But the second time, it's going to be easier. And then you'll be able to pick and choose what you want to say yes about, what you want to say no about, and you won't feel bad. You won't have a bad conscience. But can I tell you, that doesn't really work in the spirit realm. Now, I'll tell you what does work. It's easier to say no the more you say it. Because the first time the Spirit of God prompts you to come to an altar, it's hard to say no. There's a fight for it. There, the first time that the Spirit prompts you, you've got to fight with that no. The first time the Spirit says pray for that person, you've got to really say, well, God, I just, you can make a bunch of excuses, but the more you say no, the easier it is to say no. Oh, the more you wake up in the morning and you got a little headache and you say, I'm not going today, it's going to be easier to say no the next Sunday. It's going to be easier to say no the Sunday after that. It's going to be easy. And no's get easier. But the thing that's not true is it's much harder to pick and choose what you want to say no and yes to. Because the more no's you give to God, the more yeses you've given to something else. Uh, why don't we lift our hands for just a minute and pray for a second the more that you say no to coming to church the easier it is to say yes to sleeping in her the more you say no to doing something for God the easier it is to say yes to something else you can't pick and choose you're just being led in a pattern of saying yes to the world and no to God but you understand the more that you say no to God the more your conscience gets seared. That's why the Bible, it urges us. It's just a small little scripture, but it has so much more meaning than we put on it. It says, quench not the spirit. Because every time you quench it, it gets seared a little more. Oh, my. every time you say no, it's easier to say no to God. You see, I, I need you to understand that our children and ourselves, we are being bombarded with everything. It's coming from every angle and it's searing our eyes and it's searing our conscience. This world is trying to blur the lines between right and between wrong and we better take notice and we better take a stand and we better let there be a separation between us and the world and between what we're saying yes to and between what we're saying no to. I'm still a preacher that believes we need to come out from among them and we need to be separate, that we need to be holy, that we need to keep ourselves from the unclean thing. Don't you let this world cause you to become numb. Don't you let sin cause you to become numb to the Spirit. This world is not your friend. We need to stop letting the world numb our emotions. We come to church and we say, I'm not emotional. I don't do that kind of stuff. I don't shout, I'm not emotional. No, you're lying. You're emotional. 
But Johnson, let one of these snot-nosed kids, they're not in here now, let them put a hammer through our new boat. <laughs> Moms, let them walk in the kitchen when you, you're getting ready to finish that cake that you prepared all day and let them knock that baby over. You'll get emotional. It might not be the right emotions, but you will get emotional. <clears throat> and we've let the enemy convince us that we're not emotional when we come to church, but that's not true. That we don't have to be emotional when we come to church. The truth of the matter is all week we've let the world steal our emotions. Talk to you if you if you if you get upset, you can throw stones or tomatoes. I'm all right with it. I got pretty fast reflexes. We'll let we'll get all upset because that girl or that boy didn't call us back, and we'll let them steal our emotions. We'll get upset because the bachelor didn't give Sue a rose, and we'll get emotional about it. We'll be upset because Kentucky didn't win the game we thought they were going to win. And we should be used to it. <laughs> but we'll get emotional, you see. <laughs> we want to be emotional about everything else. But when it comes to the house of God, we want to say, nah. It's all right. I've done got over being emotional West Virginia loses. I'm just used to it by now. <laughs> oh, help. We let everything, we pour our emotions out at, every, at the drop of a hat. But when we come to the house of God, we have nothing left to give him. We don't have a tear left to shed. We don't have a shout left in us. We don't have a voice left to give to God because our emotions have been poured out. We can't hit an altar and cry because we're numb. We've given all our emotions out. We don't feel the need to stand because we've given our emotions everywhere else. But I pray that God will let us be emotional in the house of God. Let us feel something. Let us feel something new. God, let me feel something in the house of God. Don't let me be too numb by the world that I don't have a shout in my spirit. Don't let me feed me too numb by the world that I can't lift my hands and give God praise. It's not that you're not emotional. It's that you're not obedient. You'll say no to God every day. You'll say no to God when those tears want to stream down your face. You'll quench the spirit. When God wants you to run, you will quench the spirit. Help us, Holy. We need to pray right now. Help me, Holy Ghost. We need to pray for a minute. Bible tells us you could sit, stand, or do cartwheels. I'll be standing here for a while. The Bible tells us that Saul, Saul, King Saul, he he become numb. Bible tells us that when Saul was first 
converted. There's a scripture that says there's Saul among the prophets. He's laid all night and he's prophesied. He's felt something. But as time goes on, his heart begins to be hardened. And he begins to say no to God and yes to his own will. Samuel said, I'll be there to sacrifice, Saul. You just need to wait for me. And Saul said, I think I'll sacrifice on my own. See, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in one service. For Saul, it, it, didn't, it didn't happen in one week, in one month of being a king. But he began to push Samuel away. I don't need a man of God in my life. I might preach there for a minute. See, the first, oh, help me, Lord. See, the first step in becoming numb is when we begin to think, I'll do what I want, and I don't need the man of God to tell me anything. I know that you're telling me to lift my hand, but I don't need to do that. I'll take care of it. My, I will sacrifice for myself. The curse of this day and age is we want to be our own priest. We think we can sacrifice for ourselves. We think we'll do it on our own. And Saul said, I'll do it by myself. I don't need anyone to tell me anything. I know the right way to worship. I know what God requires. Of me. No, you don't. You need a man of God in your life to tell you which way to go. And Saul said, I don't need a man of God in my life. And when he pushed the man of God out of his life, the Bible says that an evil spirit came on him. Follow the progression. When the evil spirit was on him, he said, I need somebody to come and play some music for me. And then David came and began to play his harp. The Bible says when David played his harp that the evil spirit left Saul. He was already numb to the word of God. And the music started moving him. Moved that evil spirit away. But after a while, the Bible says that David was playing one day and that evil spirit didn't go away. Picked up a javelin and he threw it at David and tried to kill him. Because after the preacher won't move you, don't expect the music to. After the preacher won't move you, you're just going down the slope of becoming fully numb. And, and all of a sudden, that harp of David, it wasn't that David wasn't anointed. It wasn't that David didn't know how to play. It was that Saul was numb and, and he couldn't feel anymore what he needed to feel. God, help us. My God, help us when the music doesn't move us. God, help us when the preaching doesn't move us anymore. We become numb to the Spirit of God. Let me move quickly. And after the music didn't move him anymore, I got to hurry. I got a lot more to say. After the, the, the music didn't move him, then he begins to chase the anointed of God and tries to kill him. Because he doesn't like the fact that everyone else ain't like him. He starts making fun of the people that dance. He starts making fun of the people that cry. He starts making fun of the people that lift their hand. He begins to chase the people that have what he doesn't have anymore. And finally, the Bible tells us that he winds up sitting at the feet of a witch of Endor. Because after he was numb, it, came a, it became a lot easier to pick up what he once, once wasn't able to pick up. See, he had banished all the witches. He'd banished everyone when he became king. He didn't want to touch that. He didn't want anything to do with it. But when you become numb, it becomes a lot easier to pick things up that you couldn't pick up before. It comes a lot easier to grab a hold of things and be involved in things that you shouldn't. Just stay with me right now. When he silenced the voice of the preacher and the music didn't move him anymore, 
He had to go to what the Bible refers to as an unfamiliar spirit. Well, a familiar spirit. It was familiar to the witch. Because the spirit of God became unfamiliar to Saul. I need to get a hold of something that's going to help me feel something. I can't feel anything anymore. I can't feel anything anymore. I have no feeling. I'm numb. But man, I'm going to present to you today. There's, now I, know, I know where I'm at right now. And I understand. But there's more in this world that can than numb us and sear our conscience than just sin. I don't mind dealing with sin. I don't mind talking about sin. I believe that there's some people in this room that if you'd quit saying yes to sin and you'd say yes to God, you'd begin to feel something again. If you would repent in this service today and if you would make your heart right and get rid of that stuff, then God would begin to move on you. If you'd repent and you'd come to the water and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you would feel something. But there's more in this world that can numb you than sin. I'm going to need the Holy Ghost to help me right now because I'm, I'm going to minister to more than one person. Pain can numb you. Disappointments can numb you. Trauma can numb you. I would walk outside, the lady stated. I would wait until it was freezing. I would go out and I would stand and wait when my skin began to turn red and cold. She said, when it become red and I, I began to just feel numb, she said, I would run in the house and then I'd take my fingers and I'd pinch my face as hard as I could. And she said, I just needed to feel something. I needed to feel pain to know I was still alive. I needed to feel something because on the inside I was numb. My emotions were numb. She said, I couldn't feel anything. Another person that was writing the article, she said, I grew up cutting myself just so that I could feel the pain, just so I could feel something. Because like those steaming hot food pans that were touching my skin, it was hot at first, but over time it was dull. I couldn't feel anything. You understand that over time, disappointments and discouragements will numb us. Praying for so long and not seeing an answer will cause us to become numb because we'll be disappointed that God hasn't hurt us. The traumas and pains of life over time will cause us to grow weary and discouraged and we will become numb. But you hear me today, God wants to heal our emotions. We need to lift our hands right now just for a minute. I feel the Holy Ghost. Speak to us today. God wants to heal our emotions today. Mm -mm. 
Some of you, the devil's rocking you to sleep. He's rocking your emotions to sleep. He doesn't want you to feel anything. He wants to strip your compassion away from you. He wants to strip away your joy. He wants to steal your love away from you. And I noticed something about the writing of Paul to Timothy. And, and, and this scripture means more than what I'm going to tell you. But I noticed something. He says, after their conscience is seared, then they're forbidding to marry. And they're commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving and the Lord said when your conscience becomes seared things that you should receive and be thankful for things that you should have you you abstain from those nothing makes me happy anymore nothing makes me joyful nothing makes me have peace anymore and the Lord said it's because your conscience is seared because you can't feel you're numb in other words, the things in life that you should be received with joy and thanksgiving that should make you happy, that should cause you to feel something, that you're no longer able to receive them. So you abstain from them. I know that somewhere in the corridors of my life, when I knelt at an altar and tears streamed down my face, I felt joy. But I can't feel joy anymore, so I'm going to abstain from that. I know somewhere over the, the course of my life when I would pray, when I would lift my hands, I would feel the presence of God. But, but I don't think I deserve that anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to not do it because I don't deserve to feel it. We don't receive it anymore. I'm preaching today to people that can't find joy in anything. You can't find peace in anything. You're not able to find happiness in anything. And you've tried all that you can do to just feel something not always sin some of you aren't feeling anything because of trauma in your life and you're so disappointed and there's been such a nagging pain that it's consumed your mind and the Lord said I want to heal that today I want to heal that today <clears throat> doesn't matter what stage you're in the Bible says that Elijah just called fire down from heaven when the voice of Jezebel spoke he went to a cave and I believe he became numb the fire didn't move him he hadn't sinned. He hadn't made a mistake. He hadn't done anything wrong. But pressure and stress. Because you, you, you know, you understand that when we think numb, we always think cold. And when you become cold on God, you will get numb. But you understand that numbness comes from heat as well. From pressure. From going through the trials of adversity. I'm all right if we don't shout today. I really feel like God is, is going to minister into somebody's spirit. Elijah hadn't done anything wrong. But he felt nothing when the wind came. The Lord wasn't in that. He wasn't feeling anything with the earthquake. The fire didn't do anything. And it took the voice of God. I believe the voice of God is speaking to some people right now. That you prayed and prayed, but you just don't feel anything. I've sought God and I've sought God. I just don't feel anything. I know I've got the Holy Ghost. I know that, that God loves me, but I just don't feel anything anymore. They worshiped and the music played, but I don't feel anything. I've been through some stuff. I've been through too much. I don't feel anything, but may I present to you today a man named Jesus. I've come to present to you the one that can heal your broken heart. That can heal the depression you've been battling. I've come to present to you the one that can bring feeling back into your life. The one that hung on the cross and took the crown of thorns on his head. You understand that he did take nails in his hands and his feet. But he also took a crown of thorns on his head. 
so that he can heal your mind and your emotions. I'm going to show them that I'll take the pain to heal them. And the Bible says that when they come to him with vinegar mixed with gall, which was a painkiller, it was to numb him. It was supposed to dumb down the pain a little bit. The Bible says that he looked at him and said, I don't want your painkiller. I'll refuse it. I want to take all the pain that life has to offer. I'll take everything that this life has to entail, and I don't want to numb it. I want to feel everything. I need you to pray for a minute. Why don't you just close your eyes? You don't have to look. Just pray. I need somebody to hear this today. Somebody today. You just need to, need to let yourself feel the hurt. You need to stop trying to numb it. You need to stop trying to hold it back. You need to let yourself feel the disappointment. You need to throw those pills out and stop numbing the pain. Jesus said, I don't want to numb the pain. I want to conquer the pain. I'm going to close in just a second. In fact, why don't we stand, brother? brother Mace, if you want to come, I'm going to close. I got some more, but I, I feel the Holy Ghost prompting me right now. I remember a couple years ago, just, just coming to mind, I, I remember uh, January when, when we'd hit black ice and we'd wrecked our trailer. And, I mean, I wrecked that trailer, and the very next day, it was on a Friday. Uh, I remember it was on a Friday. I was preaching revival that Friday. Uh, when I walked into that service, it was at Brother Willis's. When I walked in, man, I felt just something come over me. And I, I, I didn't understand it. I just was like, you know, that's, that's God. God's still with me. I'm okay. And, and, and it was kind of like I felt a weight. I felt like a hand of God pushing me. And I just like, okay. And time went by, and, and we just dealt with it. My, my wife and I, and I remember we preached three nights that revival, and that was in January. It wasn't until... March, am I right? It wasn't until March that we had got a truck and a trailer and we were all together again. It was three months that we went through this. And I remember uh, we just were troopers, troopers, brother. Brother Willis said, man, you guys have been through this. I ain't heard you complain one time. And, and I'm okay. I'm just going to live. This is life. I can't change anything that happened. But I remember my wife will remember this. We were sitting in the truck. It was just me and her. Our kids were with her mom and we had been through this, we've been going through this for about a month and, and just, just trying to be strong. And I remember one night in the car, man, things just blew up. I'm gonna be, I told you I was gonna be transparent. I'm gonna be honest with you. And we were just, it had got to the breaking point in our life where all the pain that we were just trying to hold in and say it didn't matter, it just broke. Just begin to weep. We just begin to cry. We just begin to ask God, why is this going? Why did you let this? Why is it? It's just, it's just a flood of emotions. And I, that first service when I walked in that door that's what God wanted to happen he wanted to break me he wanted to break that open he wanted me to pour out my emotions to him but we're people and we want to look strong I don't want to, I don't want to feel broken I don't want to feel hurt I don't want anybody to see that I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine no you're not fine you're just numbing the pain
day after day. You're doing what you can do to not feel anything. You're doing what you can do to push it ahead for another day. You're, you're taking the gall and you're taking the vinegar and you're saying, I'll just numb it until tomorrow. I know it hurts. I know I'm in pain, but I'm just I'm not going to deal with it today. I'm just going to let it go. And what should move us, it doesn't move us anymore because at that point of breaking, when we should have let God break us, we didn't. Somehow, some way, we don't even notice when God's touching us. So we've been numb. We don't repent anymore because we don't feel remorse. We just don't feel bad. We're just numb. You can touch things that used to burn you. Now it's nothing. You can grab a hold of things that used to repel you. You can see things that used to cause us to blush, but now there's no shame because we're numb. And as I begin to pray last night, I come in the sanctuary, begin to pray, and the Lord said, I want to heal emotions today. I want people that I've tried to break, I've tried to break you, but you would not be broken. You would not let me in, you wouldn't let some people in this place, you hear me, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, I want you to meditate, I want you to hear what the Lord's saying right now. I'm talking to somebody in the Holy Ghost. The Lord said that there's some of you that things have happened over the past years that should have caused you to hit your knees, but you've been strong. And the Lord said, I wanted you to hit your knees. I wanted to break you. I wanted to break you into pieces so that I could mend you and mold you the way I want you to be. But you haven't let me, so you've just been numb. You push, you brush off the spirit. You brush off my presence. You don't hear it anymore. He said, for the, for the heart of this people's wax gross, he says. Their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart. It should be converted. And I should heal them. Lift your hands today and open your heart to Jesus. I know we're not shouting. I'm okay with it. God's minister. There are some people in this place that you need to come to that rock of Christ and you need to let him break you on that rock. God, don't let the rock fall and crush me, but allow me to be broken so that you can heal me. Allow me to be broken so that you can heal my mind. This is the altar call. I have to tell you it's open. I'm not going to invite you to come. I'm just going to tell you. This is the altar call. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.